And we're off with another edition of the And We're Off podcast. I'm Chris Sheeran of the S Network, bringing my guest right now. That is Jackie Powell of High Post Hoops. It's at Classic J Powell on Twitter. And uh, just something really quick on Jackie before we move on. Everyone should have the passion and tenacity that she displays day in and day out covering the WNBA, or as she likes to say, the dub. Everybody says the W. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm just getting accustomed to doing that. She cares about n- not only the players, not only about the growth of the league, but the social activism that goes along with the WNBA. And uh, having said that, it's a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Thank you for your presence. Oh, Chris, that's so sweet. Yes, thank you. Um that was such a lovely introduction. Well, it's uh, it's it's deserved. Uh, you, you bust your rear end covering this league. You put out great coverage, uh, high post hoops. If you follow the WNBA and you're not following high post hoops, you need to get on that right now. The website, the Twitter handle, it gives you all the updates you need. It gives you the uh, notifications, especially during free agent season, which is uh, why Jackie is is on today and to discuss what's going on mainly with the New York Liberty, the team she covers. But she does cover the league as a whole. But since we both have a hand in the New York Liberty, let's go there. First and foremost, they have their head coach. They have an assistant on board. We'll we'll talk about that later on. Walt Hopkins and Shelly Patterson, of course, and and how they tie together and and how they're going to help this team move forward. But I just want to get your comments first. You were at the press conference for Walt Hopkins at the Barclays Center, just covering this team, seeing them at the Westchester County Center, and knowing that they're going to be at Barclays Center for the entire season. They have a home, something Katie Smith and that squad hasn't felt in a couple of seasons now. Just give me, Jackie, your thoughts on this team not having to worry about where they're going to put their basketballs and where they're going to play their games moving forward. So I think it happens to take a huge weight off of them. Um, The fact that they're going to be supported with a just wonderful facility. Uh, GM Jonathan Kolb called it the the best facility in the league. Uh, There's obviously some bias there. A little bit. A little bit. But this is a huge upgrade. and I was in the locker room all season long in 2019, and there was some stress. I mean, putting it on top of not winning all the time. That's another I thing. I think That's a great they, point. Were, yeah. they were very uncomfortable with how tight those quarters were. Um, locker room interviews were sometimes very uncomfortable. And, for pe- and, and, and let me just, yeah, for people who don't really understand or realize the assistant general manager of the Los Angeles Sparks told us there's no shower in the dr- in the visitors' dressing room. I don't know about the Liberty, but there was no shower for the visitors. That that the Liberty had a shower. That can't Liberty happen did. though. That can't yeah. happen. You, you no. need better facilities, and it's just it's just so for us, for the team, for everyone who covers them. But but specifically and, and obviously. Those professional athletes, they have a professional arena now to call home. Yes. Uh, It was really funny because I actually cover some high school girls basketball. And 
I was at Austining High School, which that is a school that has bred WNBA talent. I mean, right now, Aubrey Griffin of UConn, she went to Austining, and they got into an argument with their athletic staff. Uh, I talked about how I covered the Liberty and the WNBA, and she said, I'm so disappointed they're moving to Brooklyn. And I was just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the distance, I guess, for people in Westchester will be... I I get it, but that was the same for the people that, you know, took subways to Madison Square Garden to watch them play. This is going to be their home. This is a place, you know, they didn't have that. They had they played a no. game last year at Barclays Center and they drew almost eight thousand fans. Uh, that that there's yeah. something to be said about that. And the atmosphere against the Seattle Storm, you know, Sue Bird didn't play, but she was there. And the atmosphere that was in that arena that night was electric. You can't deny that. If you were there, you felt it. Oh yeah, I mean Tina Charles. She, oh, she played out of her mind that game. She did, and she felt like there was a reason to like she had to prove or I, I mean I shouldn't be putting words in her mouth but to me her body language communicated a message um, and the ownership bet on women I mean they bet on this team so I think and speaking of just the locker room and the atmosphere in it I think adding Leisha Clarendon um, really will help Nice transition. I, I see your, the, I see where your oh. head's at. <laughs> <laughs> she will be such a leader in the locker room. Uh, everything I've read about her, I've met her once. Uh, everything I know based on what other reporters and have said. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to uh, Jonathan Kolb a couple of hours ago just about the signing, and He sort of said that she checks off all of their proverbial boxes, as he calls it. He called her an extension of the coaching staff on the floor, and he cited that her suit, she was a pseudo coach last year. Right, when she was injured, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So some might compare that to what Tanisha Wright was for the Liberty in 2019. Um, And Jonathan even, he made that comparison as well. But I think it's it's different. I think you're getting a lot with Leisha. Um, she also doesn't I, turn the ball over. That That's big. Coming off the bench, yeah. you want the second unit to run uh, with effectiveness. That, that also helps this New York Liberty squad. 100%. Um, she also, she has some USAB experience. She knows what you need to do to win. Um, she also, I'm sure, took in a lot on Connecticut, that they're a team that made it very far. And she's just, and going through that litmus test, if, if you think about it, when I was thinking about the qualities that make a coach or a proper coach for New York, I thought of a few things. I thought of team culture, mm-hmm. familiarity, point guard development slash spacing and defense. And then lastly, New York and how the player or the coach rather fits in the New York environment. Right. And so with Lasia, she checks them all off. When you look at team culture, she is a leader in the locker room. She is a leader on the court. 
incredibly cerebral. She is another cow bear, which I believe is how she and Walt met. Uh, she and Walt are incredibly close. Um, and so to me, when I heard this, it was a no, I was like, okay, this is a no brainer. Um, before Walt actually started coaching with the Lynx, he had a, like a coaching development business where he reached out to different players right. in W yep. and he worked with them and Lasia was one of them. Um, so, and when it comes to New York, Lasia has been in the news because she is the vice president of the WNBA's Players Association and was very instrumental in getting the CBA together. So having someone who is such a advocate for the players and such an advocate for social causes as well is such a great fit for New York. Absolutely. It, and, and not only that, everything you brought up is, is a thousand percent accurate. And they do have the number one pick. And Sabrina Ionescu of Oregon is out there. And if you bring in, in Sabrina and you have Alasia Clarendon sitting there to help guide her through the beginning stages of a WNBA career, that's nothing but good news for Sabrina Ionescu if they do go that route. But as our pal Howard Medgill said, <laughs> unless the earth crashes into the sun, and he said, not the Connecticut sun, the actual sun, <laughs> the New York Liberty should draft Sabrina Ionescu. So bringing Lazia in also helps you there, too. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. And when I listen to that version of the Locked On podcast, which is where you're, you're <laughs> yep. getting that That's Howard where it is, yep. Reference from. It was part three of the free agency yes. uh, podcast which you can find over at High Post Hoops, I literally laughed out loud. I just <laughs> laughed um, because Howard is just funny like that. Yeah, I um, laughed out loud too. I was at the gym listening to it. I was in the middle of a set, so not not really good to laugh when you're doing that, but, yeah, he got me too. Right, right. Um, so just to fact check myself, I happen to be looking at just the years when both Walt and Laisha were at Berkeley. So I think they might have missed each other by a year. But the point is, still they have familiar worked together. though. Yes, still they're, familiar. They're still very familiar. Yeah. I mean, I will be later in the day digging up the Instagram posts with the two of them working at the gym. But the point <laughs> is, she she is the perfect person, perfect extension of the coaching staff to have on the floor. And as you said, a, a veteran who can help Sabrina transition, a veteran who is still at her peak year, her peak period of time for basketball. Only 28, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Jonathan Kolb, he made that very clear in our discussion. He said, we believe that Laisha has her best basketball um, coming up this year, especially recovering from the injury. She's had a lot of time, and she's been playing with USAB um, this winter and fall. Well, I want to so, give I, I want to give another tip of the cap to Howard because he brought up yeah. something, uh, and he actually called Laisha Clarendon to the Liberty before it actually happened. So kudos yep. to him for that. Uh, but he also talked about some lineups that could happen mm -hmm. if Sabrina does come on board. And, and if you go small and have Kia Nurse at the three and Becca Allen at the four and Tina Charles at the five, 
with Sabrina and Asia at the guards. I mean, that if that doesn't if that doesn't scream what Walt wants, what he said he wanted in the press conference, he wants more threes, he wants the ball to be worked around the perimeter more, that lineup right there, and quick, you know, it's not just Tina Charles who's the threat anymore, and she's not the focus of the offense per se, you have a lot of players that could hurt you, and the creation of Sabrina off the dribble, and she could play off the ball too, so there's so many ways you can mix and match this um, Jackie, it, it's going to be a fun season. Any way you look at it for this New York Liberty. Absolutely. Um, I think fans and other people around the league are, are underestimating the talent. I've seen on Twitter some rankings that people are doing of the teams after the first couple of days of free agency, and some have the Liberty down at number 10, number 12, and I'm like, there's they're selling them really short. I may have a, a tiny bias, but I just, when you lay it out like that, when you lay out the different lineups, this team is going to be better in 2020. There's no, I mean, how could it not be? I, um, I, I completely agree. I, I mean, the, the talent is there. It's going to be interesting to see how Walt and Shelley bring it all together in their mm-hmm. vision. Uh, And again, we're going to talk about the coaches in just a bit, but I have a couple of questions with some players for you. Um, Yeah, sure. Bria Hartley, what happens with her that Lasia Clarendon is now on this team? She's a free agent as well. Does she come back in the fold or is her time in New York over? Uh, Do the Liberty trade Brittany Boyd? Will there be more minutes for Maureen Johannes? So with that said, let me see what Jackie Powell of High Post Hoops has to say about those questions? Um, so I'll start with Bria Hartley. Right. So there was a tweet last night where it said something along the lines of, I'm hearing that Bria Hartley could sign with the Lynx. And what makes this even more interesting is if you go to Bria Hartley's Twitter account, mm-hmm. or maybe she unliked it by now, but last night I was checking and she liked that tweet. Huh. So. I mean, I'm thinking, why why would you like that tweet if that wasn't happening? Um, and also, some interesting things. If you look at her Twitter itself, there's a picture of her in her, I guess, Turkish uniform. Um, I'm going back to the likes just to see if it's there. Okay, I, I think there's another sign because a lot of Bria Hartley's likes are coming from the Minnesota Lynx. Yeah, I see that uh, now. Skylar, no, not Skylar, but uh, Rebecca Brunson's jersey getting oh, retired. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're oh, saying. Oh, yeah. So there's one. It was from February 10th. This Twitter user, Todd Roman, he said, Hearing Bria Hartley to Minnesota. Can anyone confirm? So there are a lot of reasons why this makes sense. The obvious is because Katie Smith is your assistant coach. Absolutely. And um, she really was a big fan of, of Bria Hartley and her work and her versatility. And I think if they use her wisely, which means off the bench, um, she is a combo guard. She can lead at the point, and she can go to the two, even the three, depending on the opposing team. She will be successful with – 
15 to 25 minutes a night. Uh, the issue is that her she's not very efficient. She would turn the ball over a lot, and her finishing at the rim still needed to improve. So seeing her in a Cheryl Reeve-Katie Smith system I think could work, and it could be interesting, um, especially with Odyssey Sims probably not playing in 2020 for Minnesota. This would make a lot of sense. Okay, and what about what about Brittany Boyd? Before we get to Johannes, what about Brittany Boyd? Do you think she is still on this team when training camp opens? Brittany Boyd is a really tough call. I asked Kolb about that, and he was a little mum on it. Uh, he believes that signing Clarendon does not affect whether or not Brittany Boyd or is on this team. He said she's not a free agent. She's still under contract with us. But I, I, I don't think that's the end of the story. I think, I think Boyd, I think it could go both ways. She could either stay on this team and Clarendon becomes a new Tanisha Wright figure but in the Walt Hopkins system, she's not going to work quite well because she has issues shooting the three. Right. Um, right. That was my main concern because her, her yeah. averages from three plummeted over the past couple of seasons. So that, and, and the and, turnovers. Right, and the turnovers, too. Her and Tanisha Wright were among the leaders in the league in that category. Over 30% yeah. that turnover rate. Yeah. Um, but so, if you want to talk about some possible trade scenarios, I've absolutely, few, come on. I've, <laughs> I've mapped a few things out. Um, Hit me. So, what I think the Liberty need now, because as Howard mentioned on the Locked On podcast, you had to really solidify the point guard situation. Right. I think that is done now. Mm-hmm. What they need now is some help on defense and some rim protection, but someone who can produce on offense as well. I think they need a little size because they have so many guards. Mm -hmm. And so they have Kia Stokes, who has not played since 2018. And I just don't think that she would get a lot of minutes in this system. Um, and they're paying her over 90k. So my thought is, you trade, you have a package. You trade Stokes and Boyd mm-hmm. over to a team that is big, heavy, and that needs some some guard play and needs defense. Um, when you think of who needs defense, I think of the Chicago Sky. They had one of the best offenses in the league in 2019, but what held them back was just their defense. It wasn't good enough to allow them to win more games. So Stokes, I see her as a defensive specialist. She has size, um, but she just is not, she's not someone to get you offensive production, and she's not as efficient as you would want um, near the basket. And if we're sticking by what Walt wants, he's saying you want threes and you want layups and twos that you know are going to go in. Right. Tina Charles is very efficient on the block, as we know. Stokes, not so much. So the idea would be you ship off 
Stokes and Boyd, and a possible draft pick um, for a stew, do. Um, I hope I'm saying that properly, but people are just calling her a stew because that's an iconic name of Chicago. Um, maybe the Liberty need to put a little bit more up on the table because she was someone who really broke out. But if I'm remembering her numbers correctly, she shot from three in 2019. I think it was 42% from three. And she's a big. So I think that's sort of what they need. The best of both worlds, the way the NBA and the WNBA is trending. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a stew, a stew is 6'5", mm-hmm. and she's 25 years old. In her salary, I believe, um, I want to, let me look. Okay, her salary, according to the team-by-team cap breakdown, is 60, she earned 65000 in 2019. So, but she's, she's a piece that is very important to Chicago, and a lot of people want her. I think there's been reporting done by Winsider, which confirms that she is someone who a lot of teams want because of what I just said. If we want to think about other possibilities, um, I think Dallas is a team with a lot of bigs, and they could use a point guard. Um, they're trying to trade Skylar Diggins-Smith. Right. I don't. The Liberty do not need Skylar Diggins-Smith, but these trades could be um, separate. So you give Stokes and Boyd and a draft pick to Dallas for Amani McGee staff, who I believe they just signed yesterday. She is six seven, um, But, I mean, I, I don't think that's such an even trade unless they do the two players. I, I'm not even sure. I mean, we still don't know if the Liberty are going to trade Tina Charles or if they're not. Or Right. I was going to go down that road in just a second. But before we get to Tina... What about, Mm -hmm. look, both of us have talked about this before, and Johannes Mm -hmm. is just so much fun to watch. And the (laughs) the best way that I could describe her from what I saw is like a Swiss Army wing. She could could do anything from one to three on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I didn't really see a lot on defense, but she brought Westchester County Center to its feet uh, more than a handful of times. And she she could shoot the three, uh, she could handle the rock, and she could distribute as well. And she does it with a little flair. Uh, can we see her back, number one? Uh, I know, I think the Liberty have exclusive uh, rights to negotiate with her. They do. Um, are we going to see her back, and are we going to see more minutes from her this season if she does come back into the fold? I did not ask Culp specifically about MJ just because he and I have talked about her extensively in the past. Right. And I don't think his opinion on her has changed, which is when I spoke to him in October, he has said that he has made it a priority for Maureen Johannes to be a part of the Liberty's future. That is what he believes. 
Uh, Walt Hopkins reaffirmed that belief during his press conference when he spoke about Maureen and how he cannot wait to help her improve and become more consistent. All right, let's so go. Her... Let, let's head into the land of make-believe. Let's, let's make-believe sure. training camp is opening and she's on this squad. So yeah. do we see more of her? Is she a heavy rotation player for Walt? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, hopefully, I hope to talk to Walt within the next week, and we'll see what happens out of that. But based on what I know, I would say absolutely. I also think we have to consider the fact that she will be going to Tokyo, don't know when the national teams will be calling their players. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to just talk about her stats while she was in I, the last um, France national team tournament or round robin was in France uh, this past weekend. And MJ was, she put up some pretty good numbers. Uh, two games where she had over 15 points, one of them five assists, another one five rebounds. She's putting up numbers in those three distinct uh, statistical categories. So it's good to see her performing well. And something that uh, GM Jonathan Kolb mentioned as well, is he was looking very closely at how Rebecca Allen did during those qualifiers as well. And he believed that she showed what she can do, really spreading the floor well. And to quote him directly, He said that we, as in the team, we think she's poised to have a breakout year with us. That's what he seemed to say about Rebecca Allen. She could stretch the floor, but she showed with Team Australia that she could carve you up on the inside and be a, uh, I don't want to call her a a small, I don't think she's a big, but she is a definite rim protector uh, based Mm -hmm. on what I saw in the highlights with Australia and also Mm -hmm. what I saw all last season uh, barring the injury she had early on, her, her broken metacarpal early on in the season. <laughs> I mean, she she came back. It took her a couple of games to get her legs back under her, but once she did, she was a force on both sides of the ball. And as we just discussed, uh, Jackie, that that's what this team needs. This team yep. needs play. You know, they need two-way players. It, offense is fantastic, and hitting threes is nice, but if you don't get stops, you're not winning ball games. Yeah. Um, that's really my issue with Stokes. To me, she's she's a a one way player, um, and I just I don't see how she fits into what they're trying to do. Um, but to hear um, Kolb's confidence in Rebecca Allen should be very reassuring to fans that think, oh no, Rebecca Allen has a lot of value. Are they going to trade her? To me, that says that yeah, Allen I don't... is staying put. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think she's too uh, too beneficial for what uh, Walt wants to do with this team, and, and I think she's in Jonathan's vision uh, as well. And let's talk about Walt. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a chance to sit down with him and uh, shoot the breeze for about a half hour before we taped the podcast, and then we taped the podcast and we talked more. I mean, I, he's down to earth uh, his vision is clear in what he wants this team to be, for sure. Uh, you were at his press conference. You saw all the things with him, uh, his progression in the coaching game. Uh, so we know about Walt. What I want to talk to you about is Shelly Patterson, his assistant. 
and where she comes from. Cheryl Reeves, both of these coaches, Walt and Shelley, were both on Reeves' staff for the past three seasons. Now, mm-hmm. I, hope, I hope you like this comparison because I did the Nets pre- and post-game show uh, earlier this week, and Richard Jefferson did not like my comparison during highlights. I, I mentioned, oh, they look like Stockton Malone, and then for the rest of the shows, that's all I heard. And, and he said, I embarrassed myself by giving that comparison. So I hope I don't do the same thing here with you. Okay. Um, I I believe with the reverence and almost and and I'm not saying this in a in a negative way. I, I you know, the the way people genuflect when they talk about Cheryl Reeve, I, I just think she's held up just the way Greg Popovich is held up in the NBA. I think she has that much respect, if not more, mm-hmm. on the women's side. I, I, I feel very confident in comparing Cheryl to Greg Popovich. And having said that, I had another conversation with Richard last night, and this is all where Shelly comes into play because 30 years of experience, um, she's been an assistant in the WNBA since 1999. She was a director of player personnel with the Houston Comets. They won the title that year. She won four titles with the Lynx. She was with them her last 10 years. So she's got the one with Houston and four with Minnesota, five-time champ, But this is what I find these two can bring to the table collectively. Being under Cheryl, seeing how Cheryl ran her squad, seeing the progression, Jackie, of Simone Augustus and how Simone went from being the player to being not a role, I don't want to say a role player, but kind of backing it down a little bit. And you need a special kind of coach, a special kind of floor general, to be able to take a player who is once the person you go to, and then you have to have that conversation with them and have them buy in to a collective to be successful. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying all of this to just put it into perspective for everybody. That's where, Liberty fans especially, that's where these two coaches come from. They come from a very good coaching tree. The, the apples on this tree are very ripe and very bright. And I, I think the Liberty have a lot to look forward to in the coming years. And something that Richard Jefferson told me, just to put a little cherry on top of the Sunday to this, he told me he took something from the time when the Nets lost to the Spurs in the championship early on in his career. He said to himself, wow, the Spurs 9 through 12, they're deep. The Spurs 9 through 12 are killing us. So Richard took that mindset when he was on the Cavaliers in 2016 because he was one of those 9 through 12 guys, and he had to be ready every game. He didn't think he was going to play every game or be involved in a lot of it, but he knew as part of that collective, he always had to be ready. And I think that mindset, especially when you have vets on the squad, they need to buy in if they want to move forward and they want to win. And I think with Hopkins, and especially Shelly Patterson, because of all of her experience, Jackie, the Liberty are very well set up in the coaching department. I think so as well. I mean, when you, based on your comparison to... Popovich, which I'm I sorry I rambled great. as well. I, I, no, I tend it's to fine. Do that. I think that comparison is pretty spot on. But when you talk about Tina Charles and sort of looking at a veteran and encouraging her to buy into a new system, 
I think that's what I thought of when you were talking about right, right. Shelley. Um, what's been said about Shelley and what I've learned about her is she is a master at building relationships with players. She's a very calm presence, and both she and Walt lead with positivity. But at the same time, there's, there's a balance. They believe in the Cheryl Reeve motto, which is you get what you accept, but at the same time, they, this is not a Bill Lambeer-style coaching staff. This is very different. Um, there was that emphasis on the leading with positivity, that idea about getting better rather, rather than having maybe more or less wins. Um, it, it's not about necessarily winning every single game. It's are we getting better every single game. Um, I think Shelley has a track record when it comes to helping bigs with their three-point shooting. You saw it last year with Nafisa Collier, who could knock down three balls. She could. That's something we know she can do. And that wasn't her bread and butter in college at all. And Shelley worked with her, really picked apart the ways in which Nafisa was holding onto the ball, and she started hitting threes. Um, I think what Walt has said about her is she's, I think this was on the Windsider show, he said she's a wealth of knowledge and a beautiful, beautiful person. The person part is the piece that I love. So I remember at the press conference I asked Walt about sort of the, the type of person he's looking for. And not only is he looking for people with coaching experience, but he's looking for people that have um, just a, an organicness to mm -hmm. them. And I think that's what you're going to get with Shelly Patterson. And I asked um, Kolb about her earlier today, and he, he's so excited to have her. Um, he kept mentioning that she's been in the league since its inception, and um, he's just excited to see how she connects with the players on the staff. So, and I also asked about coaching diversity and are they considering former players to be on the staff? As we know, the Lynx now have three former players on their staff that are all women. Right. Um, two of them are women of color, which is wonderful. So there's been some criticism of the New York Liberty in regard to that. And obviously Shelly Patterson is a woman of color, and so we will wait and see as to how the rest of the coaching staff, how it, how it looks. Shelly, I think, based on how Walt presented he wants his staff to run, will be coordinating the offensive side. That's based on the different pieces I've looked at and what she's done in the past. So it looks like to me he'll be looking for someone to coordinate defense and another person who's going to just really be the pulse of what the team is feeling. Um, someone who works with development, someone who works with players emotionally, and sort of is that shoulder to lean on, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it just seems like they're putting it together piece by piece, taking their time, 
and putting together the best possible staff for this team to succeed based on the talent they have on it and the talent that they envision of bringing in here as well. So I completely, completely agree with, you know, the, the former players being involved and the women of color being involved as well. When Shelly Patterson was hired, I was very happy with that because I know we talked about that too on the Twitter machine. And I know how important that is to not only, not only players in the league, but people who follow the league as well. Yeah. Uh, and bringing in Shelly Patterson definitely helps that. And we'll see what Walt Hopkins does to fill out that coaching staff. It's going to be interesting, as you just said. But again, I can't say it enough. I mean, based on how we're seeing this build up and, and Jonathan Cobb and, and now Walt Hopkins and Shelly Patterson, they're doing it slow. They're doing it methodically. They're doing it the right way, Jackie. And all in an and we heard Jonathan at that press conference. No one is going to outwork us. That's something Liberty fans want to hear. And believe me when I tell you, if you're a casual WNBA fan, if you're not really a fan of the WNBA, you want to know how passionate Liberty fans are. There are season ticket holders who absolutely lose their mind during these games. It is so much fun to watch, especially the game that was at Barclays Center. You, f Like I said earlier, you felt it. I mean, I'm not going to say the arena was shaking, but it got loud. It got very loud in there. I wasn't doing that game. I was a fan at that game. It got extremely loud, and Tina, I think she had either 20 or over 20 points before the half. And I remember there was a loose ball, uh, Jackie, and she was going after it to p potentially go on a break to score her 22nd or 24th point of the first half, and she gave up because she had nothing left. And when you see that out of a competitor, like, she is giving everything, like, all the time, and then she's going for a loose ball, and she's just got no breath left in her lungs to go after it. If you can't get behind that, I, I don't know, you're not human. To me, you're not human. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that first half for Tina was... It was awe-inspiring. It really was. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think how many... I'm looking up to see if I could find the the point total. It was, it was yeah, 22 points, but I think 20 of them came in that first half. Yes, 20 came in the... I know she had 20. I, I just wasn't sure if it was mm -hmm. over 20. But, yeah, she mm -hmm. finished... She was gassed. She was gassed, but she was giving everybody in that building because, look, the players knew what was on the line, Jackie. They knew they it. They, they knew if they went into Barclays Center and they didn't go all out for those fans, uh, are we going to move? Th that showed that that team wanted to be in that building. That one game, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. The feeling, walking out in the concourse after the game, even though they lost... I observed. I was by myself, so I just walked around and I observed. And I saw some uh, regulars, some season ticket holders that, of course, were at Westchester County Center all the time. We stopped and chatted. But as we were chatting, you listen and you watch and you see people walking around and you say, you know what, if they play here, I'm going to come back. You know, you, you, you hear that stuff and you're just like, God, this is what it's about. It's building it from the ground up. And I know they were at the Garden, but they were deconstructed completely. And to see it starting to build back up with the new ownership, with the new mm -hmm. GM, with the new coach, 
And to and, and, and listen, I, your introduction, you know, that's that, that's not words. That's that's <laughs> from the heart. That's from the soul. Uh, we we casually know each other. Okay, we met this past year at, at Westchester mm-hmm. County Center, but I. My dad, who passed in November, unfortunately, he instilled in me to always try to outwork everyone else. And mm-hmm. when I see someone like you doing what he tried to mentor and teach me my entire life, I just have the utmost respect, not just for you, but for everyone who covered the WNBA. This organization means something to me. I just, I want people to understand you feel like a member of the family when you cover this league. Yeah, and, and I it think me- that's accurate. And, and, and uh, you tell, I told everybody how I feel. Now you tell everybody how you feel covering this league and covering this team. Well, I think you're reminding me of a really good story. Um, it actually happened when I went out to Hartford to cover USAB. It was their practice before they uh, played against UConn the next day. And it was the day when we heard the news that Kobe Bryant and and Gigi had passed. And I think what I learned from that day was just how all of us who cover the league are – we're so connected – in just the most beautiful way. I was in a car with the one and only Ari Chambers, Erica Ayala, who covers the Liberty uh, for the Athletic. Ari covers a lot on the Bleacher Report. And uh, Kelsey Trainer, who is a legal analyst for us at High Post Hoops. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay Gibbs was with us as well. She covers the Mystics. Um, for The Athletic, and she runs her own feminist sports newsletter called Power Plays. Hopefully you had um, an SUV. <laughs> we, we had... It wasn't an SUV. It was actually like a... Like a mid-sized car. It wasn't all right. a sedan. No all right. But I was... But with all of us in the car, we were all able to really reflect on that moment and to think about what we were all doing there together and how we all yeah. have this common goal yeah. and we all want the league to succeed. So it was a very, it was like a night and day type of day because in the morning we covered USAB, there was a lot of energy, and then we get in the car to come back and we hear the news. Yeah. And so to be able to deal with multiple emotions with these people that, I mean, I met all of these people less than a year ago. Jackie Powell of High Post Hoops. We'll get you back on. And uh, especially when this roster is completed, then we're going to have some fun. Then we could sit here and talk about rotations and see how Walt and and Shelly are going to handle this. I mean, by the time of the draft, we should have more answers and, and more coaches on board. Um, these times are exciting, very exciting. But I think what you said earlier is is spot on, which is the way that Jonathan Kolb wants to move through this is he, he's not making any impulsive decisions. He's not. Um, I think the Laisha Claridon decision was one that 
we probably could have predicted a couple of months ago if we were really thinking about it because she checks all of the boxes. Yeah, and to just piggyback on what you just said um, about Jonathan and about uh, Walt and the coaching staff, Shelly Patterson, it is a trickle-down effect from the owner, Joe Sy, because when he bought this team, and we said this during one of the games, I brought it up because I thought it needed to be said, mostly when you get an owner into New York, Jackie, the -hmm. first thing they say I want to win a championship. Like the iron fist comes down. Championship, right. championship, championship. Joe Sy said something very netsy, and that's with an <laughs> that's with an N, like Nancy. He right. said something very netsy. He said the Nets have done this, and we want to take on that model. And that is, it's not you know, there's no magic wand. It's going to take time, but after a while, people are going to be very proud of this New York Liberty team. And that's what I think Liberty fans, that's the mindset they have to take into these seasons upcoming, into Walt's first season and beyond. And who knows where they go with the coaching staff in the future. But uh, we can't rush the bit. I I just think this is the approach you have to take, especially when, and it's not a rebuild. It's kind of a retuning because you still have pieces in place. You're just going to add to that. It's, it's, like a symphony and you're replacing a couple of big chairs to your symphony to make it sound just right. So that's why the growth, and I've been with the Nets since the early 2000s, and I've seen Mm. the ups, the downs, the downright uglies, and the build back up. And watching the talent and how Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson has facilitated that and now how Josiah is going to help that process – if that's what the Liberty have coming down the pike, the fans of this team have nothing to worry about. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think having a number one draft pick and, and one of the most electrifying players in college basketball in years is uh, – we're referencing Howard again. If the earth crashes <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Sun, <laughs> the earth crashes into the sun – um, we should expect one of the most entertaining and dynamic rookies that this league has seen probably since Sue Bird. And, and you know the great thing about Sabrina, too? She's going to have an entire season of college basketball plus the tournament, so she's going to come right into training camp off that. But the great thing about Sabrina, if you do draft her, earth into the sun, you know, just like Howard said, if you do take her, you don't have to, you could rest her. You know what I mean? Because you have Lasia now in the fold. You have Asia Durr. You know, there's no pressure. I, I felt like there was pressure on Asia Durr to perform 100%. in her first year. There would 1,000%. be no pressure on Sabrina because she has the backup. They have the guards. You could even have Maureen Johannes run point. I mean, there's so much backup for her to learn from and to, to, to take a little respite from the grind of the season if Oregon does go all the way and wins the championship. So I do, yeah. That, I do agree with you. But yeah. I also think that knowing who Sabrina is and based on Oh, God, she wants to play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> she, she is her harshest critic, which I think that's also how Asia Durr is. The two of them actually know each other. 
end, but they're very similar in terms of their work ethic and how hard they are on themselves. There was a clip on the Internet where Oregon had won, and I think Sabrina was talking to Holly Rowe, and Sabrina said, oh, th- this this was terrible. I was terrible. I had six turnovers yeah. when she had a triple-double. So that's that's the type of player that New York hopes to have by the time we hit May 15th. Yeah, the IQ is high in that one, just as it is in the person I'm talking to right now, Jackie Powell of High Post <laughs> Hoops. Thank you very much. Once again, her uh, Twitter handle is at Classic J Powell, like the old Batman show when they hit somebody and it said P-O-W across the screen. At Classic J Powell. Jackie, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris.